Welcome to Dragon Talk. Hey! Yes, yes, yes. Very excited for this episode. I am Greg Tito. That is Shelly Mazzanoble over there. Yay! We are here for the official Dungeons and Dragons podcast, and we're going to talk about all types of fun, amazing things that are happening, including our amazing guest. He's a king. He's uh, an actual king, and you know how I know that? How do you know that? He wears a crown. Mm, that is the definition. It's true. Yep. I love it. Jaden King is here talking about all types of amazing, fun, philosophical and or performance-based topics around D&D. And storytelling. We're going to learn so much, everybody. Get your notepad ready, Dungeon Masters. Lots of good advice coming for you. It's true. And for those of you who are looking for more inspiration, there is tons of things coming out there, including the Dungeons & Dragons movie, Honor Among Thieves. It's amazing the uh, critical and or influencer response that's happened so far. People love this movie. I'm so excited. I am so glad because I know when people hear us talking about it, of course, they're like, you guys get paid to like work on D&D. What are you going to say? Here's what we're going to say. Nothing. We could have just said (laughs) Said nothing. nothing. It's true. And now I hope you believe us and know our enthusiasm for this movie is real. And I especially love one of the um, reviews that was like, I don't even play d and I don't know anything about D&D. And I thought this was one of the most, This it was the, I think they even said it was the best thing they saw at South by Southwest. Wow. Wow. I know. Uh-huh. So get your huge. non-D&D playing friends to come with you because you don't have to love D&D to love this movie. But if you do love D&D, there's a lot more for you to love. But anyone's going to enjoy it. It's so good. Oh, I can't wait to see it again. You know what my favorite quote is? I tweeted this out, but it was the fact that one of the reviews from Variety said, Honor Among Thieves is like a mashup of The Lord of the Rings, The Princess Bride, Star Wars, National Treasure, A Medieval X-Men, and Gladiator. Okay. I'm like, dude, that's... uh, Comparing it to uh, both like Oscar-winning movies as well as franchise-starting movies, uh, and it's actually a bit accurate as a mashup of all that. Yeah, definitely. The comedy of Princess Bride, it's all there. I, I agree. that Yes, it, it seems like uh, a lofty goal and yet succeeded. Nailed it. Nailed, Nailed it. Nailed right. it. If we didn't like it, we would just say nothing. That is actually very true. <laughs> right. We would just yeah. be like, mm, yeah, mm. moving on, moving Jeremy on. Jeremy Irons was really good. <laughs> But it's worth it, and I can't wait for everybody on March 31st to check it out. Yes, please do, um, and tell us how much you loved it. And there's a lot of fun stuff that we are uh, releasing in celebration of that, including the uh, character dossier of many of the characters in the movie, and uh, some other fun stuff that might be interacting with other brands run by Wizards of the Coast. So check it out uh, when we are talking about a little thing called D&D Direct uh, that will be on the 28th of March. Oh, really? How yeah. exciting is that? There'll be lots more info around the movie as well as some other fun, exciting announcements um, that you are not expecting. I'm, I'm telling you right now, as you're listening to this, you will not expect the amazingness that is coming out. Uh, you couldn't D&D guess Direct. it. You just couldn't. Yeah. 
By the time uh, you listen to this, you should be marking your calendars for it. Greg, what would I do if I see the D&D movie and I'm super excited about the concept of like playing a character that's part of a heist crew? Like what what could I do? How could I how could I like live that tale of you my know what's own? funny? One of what? our colleagues, Dan Barrett, actually yeah. had that exact same thought. Oh wow. And oh. he pitched an amazing book that ended up being real. Keys from the Golden Vault. Oh my goodness, a collection of 13 heist themed adventures. One of which Actually, has a location in the D and D movie Heroes End. No, is that what it's called? Revels End. Revels End. It also might be where the heroes end, but it's probably the end of a lot of heroes, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the it's funniest like, moments that opens up uh, oh, the D and D movie as well. Uh, so good with an Aracocra, I will say. You've, you might flapper. <laughs> it's not flapper. <laughs> but it is a very flapper-like uh, character uh, very, that shows up. Don't say anymore. Yeah, it's so good. You're gonna make me laugh. But yeah, um, uh, keys from the golden vault. You can live out your your dream of 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 creating a D and D party, getting together and heisting it up. Definitely, uh, so exciting and a great book. And I am excited because you're you are going to want to to live out those heist fantasies. So. I remember you- being a kid and seeing the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie uh-huh. and being like, I want to be a ninja. And like, you know, doing like, you know, with my friend who I went to go see it with, we like went outside and like was, was doing, uh, you know, karate moves. <laughs> like we were uh, just like the characters in the movie. And I feel like you can do that while after watching the D&D movie. You'd be like, I want to set up, you know, this type of family first uh, heist and, and, and get it all together. I think Aww. that would be a fantastic move for anyone and, out there. And you could be a turtle. While doing it. So you could blend both of your fantasies together. (laughs) Right. You could be a a TMN tortle. Um, And then did we, I'm sure we mentioned, I know we mentioned the Get Lit Festival 2023 that you and I are attending as guests. Right. Yes. So excited that former guest uh, of Dragon Talk, Terrence McMullen, uh, got us to go to Spokane. And uh, we're playing D&D there in addition to talking about our book, Welcome to Dragon Talk, inspiring conversations about D&D and the people who love to play it. Good job. I haven't said the subtitle in so long. I'm impressed that you remembered it. I was Um, scared. And then I kept going. Yeah, you were like, I'm I'm in it. (laughs) I can't stop now. It's a roller coaster ride. Uh, yeah, so if you are in the Eastern Washington area, come on over. Hang Get out with lit us. with us. Say hello. There's a lot of wonderful authors attending the show, and it's yeah. kind of like mind blowing that like we're among them. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. true. Um, we're just there too. And one of those amazing people is Justice Armand on the D and D team, who uh, is running a. Heist from Keys from the Golden Vault for us there with a bunch of other authors. We'll be participating as players. I'm so excited for that. I am so excited to make my character. Did I tell you? I know I was going to be like a trickster rogue. Oh, have you switched it up? No, I still am, but I think I'm going to be a Herringon. (gasps) I love Herringons. So I think, because you know what my backstory is? You're like Rabbit from Winnie the Pooh? No. No? I... Was pulled out of a magician's hat. (laughs) (laughs) And you're like, I don't know how any of this works. And I escaped the magician's act. And now I am my own trickster rogue. 
I that's an amazing story. Thank you. Um, maybe I want to be the magician that pulled you out. <laughs> I like it. It could be like stop the pigeon, and you could just constantly be the whole time. Like you know, of course, we'll do like the heist, but we'll yeah. have our own little sub story where you're just chasing me around, trying to get me back. Get in back the hat. in the in the hat. Yeah, you ruined my act. Uh, right. Uh, <laughs> I, I will have a charlatan background. I know that. That sounds great. <laughs> So fun. Can't wait. D&D is awesome. Check out the Get Lit Festival. Um, and we are excited to sign books and you know, meet as many of our fans there as we can. Oh, my God. I'm kind of nervous, but so excited. Yes. Um, and I think we want everyone who are listening to Dragon Talk, we're always uh, looking for new uh, subscribers. Uh, we always me- don't self-promote uh, this podcast, but... We are dependent on word of mouth. So if you have people who are getting interested in Dungeons and Dragons and they want to learn more, uh, point them to this podcast, get them to subscribe. And if they're doing something fun and interesting, there's uh, so much inspiration to be had from listening to this podcast. So spread the word as much as you can. Yes. And speaking of inspiration, I mean, just listen to this interview coming up. That's right. Jaden King inspires all of us uh, and comes up with very good slogans mm-hmm. on, and, off the cuff. And someone who is very good at self-promotion, I have to say. Yeah. We could, we could learn a thing or two. From the king. So From let's, the king. Uh, <laughs> let's uh, get him in here. <laughs> let's welcome Jaden King to Dragon Talk. Hey! Yay! Hey! Woo! Sirens, where? Yay. Where, where, where? The king has arrived. <laughs> Definitely. The king crown is actually and all. wearing a crown. Yes, I know. It's an audio medium, but I'm sure that just the presence of the crown, you can hear it. It's I can so hear it. vibrant and yeah. That present. is royalty. I love it. Yes, mm. I hear it and smell it. Oh, strange <laughs> podcast powers. <laughs> this is a scratch and sniff podcast going forward. Oh, that's that fourth dimension they've been talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're so excited to have you on. There's so much uh, wonderful things that you are doing within the D&D TTRPG zone. And we were just talking before we started. You have a job title now. What, what is that job title? Um, so my official title, as it currently stands, is uh, TTRPG Industry Coach uh, with a specialty in narrative and mechanical design. So I, I help everything from the game mechanics to the storytelling, from building it to playing it to running it and everything in between. That includes from your personal table to the professional table, all the way to the grand stage of actual play. I Wow, that almost, I mean... That felt practiced, but also off the cuff at the same time. You're good at this. <laughs> oh, it's almost like I'm a professional GM. Who knew? <laughs> but you also have a background in in uh, performing live as well, right? I do. Actually, I've been doing live performances for nearly a decade now. Um, my first live performance was running for mayor in high school. And then after that, I just started doing stand-up comedy, improv theater, film, television, uh, directing, writing, like all kinds of things across mostly the Pacific Coast and then took that to tabletop because I've also been a gamer since before I was born. How is that possible? My mother used to tell me that as a in the womb, I would always kick fuss all the time. The only way she could calm me down is when she sat in front of a TV and played Tetris or Pac-Man. It was the only time I would calm down in the womb. Wow. Yeah. 
Like that's me and my mom grew up playing Tetris, um, Mario Bros, Pac-Man, and like those like classic games. My mother was the type of person that would see a Pac-Man in arcade and be like, I'll play real quick. And she'd sit there for like 20 minutes and beat wow. it. And I didn't even know you could beat Pac-Man. So like gaming no. is literally in my blood. That's amazing. I, I wonder what that. it is about the movement of Pac-Man and Tetris that you found soothing. <laughs> As a, um, as a was little the music, child. the vibration, who knows? I think it like currently it's I like logic-based systems. So like I as an adult, I analyze video games a lot. Like I understand frame rate movement, pitch, um, cadence. Video games all work off rhythm, like music. And I'm mildly tone deaf, but in video games, it's almost like I've got this Beethoven experience where I'm like, I can see motion and the logic and how it works. And then when you apply that to performance, everything has a pattern and we recognize it's like a deep psychology. Oh, because yeah, I graduated at college with a major in business, law, and psychology. So I apply all that at the same time. Wait, th- three, okay. three majors? Well, it's officially a business major and I took extra courses to minor in psychology and business law. And wow. so all that compounded into, you know, game design instead. <laughs> That's what that Venn diagram of subjects yeah. goes yeah. into. Yeah. I, I do that. think the psychology does factor in a lot and i often i always i do man if i could go back and do it all again i would have liked to have been taken some more psychology courses because i think if an understanding of the human mind and behavior is will serve you in everything but especially in games do you agree Uh, absolutely games are based on psychology they're just it's hidden marketing elements and they feed off of what we desire, whether we like video games, which have Sims, action, adventure, fantasy, sci-fi, they all tailor to an entertainment value. And when you take that to TTRPGs, you get to understand why people play the game. Are they trying to escape the world or are they trying to understand the world? Do they want to go into gaming and escape the dramas around their life? Or do they want to confront those with their characters? Are the characters an emulation of themselves? Or are these um, alternative versions that they wish they were? And then you can t- portray who those characters are through the players. And it really helps you connect with them and them connect with the story. We always say the best dungeon masters out there are those who listen. And that is very much what... Uh, you know, therapy and, and that type of thing is all about. Just, I'm there. here to listen and get out what is necessary. And that's basically what a dungeon master does too. Yeah. I mean, it's as a dungeon master, like I always tell people when we play games, D&D and all TTRPGs, it's not therapy, but it is therapeutic. <laughs> yes. So like you can apply it the same way. But it's also therapy. <laughs> it, <laughs> For it some people. There's a hint of therapy and, you know, it's in there. It's It's definitely seated all the way through. Yeah. 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 And yeah, DMs are very much therapists, along with your hairstylist and sometimes Trader Joe's cashiers. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> they are everyone all around us, and you don't even know it. It's a slow takeover, but we're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> well, good. We'll all be healthier because of it. So, how has Agreed. your, uh, you know, uh, background? I mean, this is a very varied. Very varied background um, in uh, performance, doing stand-up and things like that. I'm really interested to see how that is transferred to uh, your skills behind the behind the screen. Like, what have you? You know, do you feel like more at ease with every everybody's eyes on you because uh, of it? Actually, very much so. I because I did my theater background was not 
traditional like um, Shakespearean. It was mostly improv theater. Oh, so I thrived perfect. off of maybe getting three, four words and just doing a full hour long play with my um, team to do that. I started improv school and within the first month I graduated faster than the pro like I basically moved up because I got the elements of how improv works and expanded that. And I realized it's just the same thing. Your players give you information or your GM, whoever you are, because I play both sides and people just give you information and it's yes and, but it's yes and plus quality. Move the story along and really get into it. So like, I don't make characters, I become characters and I sit within that element. And when people are like, oh, what's going on? I'm like, let me tell you a story. Like I make jokes that I go to like Starbucks and when I meet someone, I'm like, let me tell you a tale of something. And they're like, oh, I'm so entranced. And I'm like, yes, I'm a dungeon master to the world if they listen. <laughs> uh, oh, I like that. Everywhere you go, you're a dungeon master. Everywhere you go, someone's listening. You could tell a story. So you said it's uh, what plus quality? Wait, why am I just now blanking? Yes, and yes, and plus quality. Okay. Plus quality. So I want to talk about the quality because <laughs> uh, I feel like I need help there. Um, you are obviously, I think, there's some people who are just natural storytellers. But how do you know something's quality before? you try it out and what do you do if you're if it's not quality do you just abandon and go to the next thing like how do you how do you know so quality is a bit subjective and i think the best way to do it is authenticity don't try to force a story that doesn't need to be told but more importantly don't force a story that you want to tell you have an mm. idea and you give it to the players what they choose to latch on to is your story so the best way to do it is they give you something and you say, yes, and here are option A, B, and C in a story element. The best way to do that is to hit three different senses. Go with what they hear, which is different than what they smell, which is different than what they see. And they'll pick one of those focuses. Once they pick one, you know your quality because they chose to focus on this sense or what this feeling gave them. Because all our senses are, are taking feelings and translating. When you smell an apple pie, some people don't like the smell of apples, so it doesn't right. do much. And then other people, they smell an apple pie, and they remember that one time their grandmother made an apple pie with the best apple made ever, and then that's the feeling. And people latch to feelings, and that's how you know quality, when people feel, and that's how they connect. Wow. That's that psychology again. Yeah. yeah. You were basically like, you are like, the ultimate dungeon master with all of your backgrounds converging here. <laughs> all the pieces. I'm like, a I was trying to figure out my entire life doing so many different paths. Like, I think I spent eight years as a professional security manager. So I ran physical security for a company and I never realized until recently how well that translated because you get to see what guards do and what civilians do. And people are like, what does that mean? And I'm like, well, you see the perspective of trauma all around you. People are feeling the most brutal emotions around you from criminal activity to um, irate customers to enjoyed people who are glad to see you and dealing with corporate executives to people on the street. I think I've dealt with more variety of individuals as a security guard than I have in any other job or studies I've ever done. And it really kind of helps bridge that gap of everything else I've done. And I realize everything we do makes us a storyteller. Every experience you had movie you watch, book you read, dream you had, food you ate. Just tell other people those experiences. And when they connect to one, you become friends. And this story just starts telling itself. 
so profound. I mean, you're I you're know. also combining all of your like academic background and being able to elucidate about uh, these topics. It reminds elucidate. me of uh, so many. Know. Yeah, it's a good one, right? Yeah. Yeah, Pull that, that out good. of the. 50 cent word pile I've got uh, in the back <laughs> like of my head. a buck 50 at least. <laughs> Come on. Is. Three GP at least. Um, <laughs> but I love that because that is our lives, right? We Our lives are a series of stories and we have different stories for different people that we interact with, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and they can be good, they can be bad, they can be in the past and you can revisit them and have uh, a reconciliation and like that's you know that people call it different things like having closure or things like that but really what yeah. you're doing is you're completing your story with that person or 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 your ar- an, an arc with yes. that person and a then chapter. you can start a new arc with that person and that's and life. it's a beautiful thing truly i mean another thing i notice is like a lot of people don't think about it like this but everyone has done what a gm does when they've ever seen a movie because mm-hmm. every person who's ever watched a movie walks out of the theater or ends the movie like, what if? And that's it. That's all it takes to be a GM is ask the question, what if? And then ask that question to your players. Because you say, this happened, but what if it went this way? And then they answer it. And you just keep posing what if questions and let them answer it. And that's all it is. The entire arc is what if that door was locked? Well, I would pick it. All right, perfect. What mm-hmm. if you tried to, what if it broke? Well, then I do this. And it's just a series of what ifs until one day you're like, there's nothing to ask now. But that mm-hmm. never happens, right? Like, exactly. You can never get to that never point. Ends. Yeah. I love storytellers that acknowledge that. Like I, one of my favorite fantasy trilogies, it's a really dense one uh, by Tad Williams. and uh, ends with the last book. And there's just this idea that, like, no, there's going to be another story coming forward. Not even in the sequel way, but just in the way that, like, there's no, this this may be an end, but it's not the end. It's, it's Very ever much going so. on. And I love that feeling of, like, knowing that stories don't end. They just reach temporary closure of an event. Most stories don't end when the last page is turned. The story truly ends when someone has confronted a hidden trauma. And that's where mm-hmm. the psychology kicks in. Truly, an yeah. arc ends when someone has overcome a trauma they didn't even realize they had. Or maybe they did. When you think about the rogue that finally chose to sacrifice themselves, they stopped being so isolated. Or the paladin that realized that maybe the law isn't so clean cut. Or the monk that realizes maybe the monastery wasn't everything they needed. They've broken away from this form of trauma that told them there's more to life. And then the arc completes for them. But there's always more because humans... We evolve, change, and the world is always at a conflict with us. But we don't have to be at a conflict with ourselves. And the story is just doing that. doesn't matter if you're fighting a Lich King, because at the end of the day, what matters is, did you feel that you gained something from confronting the Lich King? Or even to shorter, did you feel, as you were saying, right? right. Exactly. Because at the end of the day, if you felt something, then you're playing it correctly. It's better if you felt good feelings, but also... Feeling sadness is not a bad thing. And that's another thing I think GMs sometimes are scared of. They're scared Mm. to make players and characters feel negative emotions. But negative emotions are some of our most visceral feelings. When you force a paladin to make a choice between following what is good and following what is lawful, you put them in a turmoil. But when they make the decision, they realize what is actually important. Oh, it's that beautiful moment because then the player's like, I love my character. And it's like, good and you have felt something that you haven't felt in a long time. Yeah. What do you do with um, 
Well, I guess part of this, because you're, you're a professional game master, so people can hire you for, to yes. run games for them, um, which is amazing because that's, that is a viable profession. <laughs> professional is, game goodness. mastering yeah. is amazing. That didn't um, even exist when we started this podcast. Like, that's no. what's crazy is that we've been like. I think we joked about it. Like, you know, somebody should hire you to play D&D with them. Right. And we like, were there. No, and now they do. Now they and do. Now, yeah. Um, so, what, what was my question? Oh, yeah. Okay, so you don't always know who, who your people are selecting. You're like, oh, yeah, this sounds like a great game. I want to play this. I love mm-hmm. the style. But you don't know who's necessarily going to sit at your table. And nope. how do you get non-storytellers to tell great stories in a short amount of time? But even just in general, like either it doesn't have to be in a short amount of time because I'm sure you've played in longer campaigns. Not everybody is a, is as prolific as you are, and not everybody, um. <laughs> not everyone has unleashed the storyteller in them. They're just like waiting for it to be unlocked. Waiting. How do you do that? So how do I unlock it for the GMs or the players that are for new the to players it? that are new so, to it? What I do is actually a method I've recently um, started. Um, since I started coaching, I kind of been showing people this approach. One of the best ways to make storytelling possible is to step out of the story and step into the life. And a lot of times when you think about D&D, there's this um, divide you can make. Hi, I'm playing uh, Pally, Pally the Paladin and what they do. But instead of asking what Pally the Paladin does, I say, okay, this is what's happening, Pally. How do you feel about that? And they, most times, almost every time a new player is kind of like, what do you mean? I'm like, well... This is what's been happening, and I know that your character wants this. How do they feel knowing that this is happening? And almost every time they're like, well, I, I think they feel um, scared or, or sad or maybe more surface emotions. They're like, oh, they're, they're not sure. And I'm like, perfect. By the end of the session, I always go, so like, tell me, Pally, how do you feel? Every time, a, by the end, a player says, well, I feel this because they have become so immersed in their character by constantly asking how they feel about their actions makes them get connected to the character and kind of blurs that line for a moment. And they get so into character that they feel it. So by the end, they're like, wow, I have players who message me. They're like, I've played D&D all the time and I've never felt so attached to this character. And it's because mm. I asked them to tell me how the character feels, because once you have to figure out how someone feels, you feel empathy. That empathy starts to become your feelings, and then you start feeling this sympathy, empathy combined. And the story just becomes natural because you step into the character. It's a way to convert non-performers into performers as well. Yeah. You know, if you don't know the character, you're like, cool, well, tell me how they feel. Well, I don't know. Well, how would you feel? And they're like, well, I would feel this way. I'm like, all right. So imagine that the character feels that, and voila. And so you do that in storytelling. As a GM, if you're having players that aren't connecting, ask them to just tell you how the character feels and you do that before or after any role they make especially if they fail and even if they succeed because those moments help them drive their motivations until they become synonymous with themselves i don't do that enough i realize <laughs> i don't either i was thinking the same a thing. a lot of my um the people i've been talking to uh they notice the same thing they're like i don't ask how my characters feel because they're so worried about the tactics, the mechanics. And I'm like, step away from the mechanics. The mechanics will do their job. Mm -hmm. But you need to just ask them, 
How does their character feel? And it will tell you exactly what you need. If a character's scared, lean into it. Give them wisdom saving throws to maintain their composure. If someone says they're nervous, well, give them like some charisma to get them that confidence. Like we do those little moments to make them feel their emotions connect to the dice roll. And then voila, it's just open. The world is theirs. It's such a great, easy tool because that also unlocks... Um, something that we've thought about a lot, which is when you experience those emotions of your character, it's no different in your brain chemistry than you actually feeling those feelings. Mm-hmm. And that's where it gets weird to me where I'm like, man, it's so it's almost like tapping into the multiverse a little bit and being like, it is. I, I'm experiencing this character, but I'm also experiencing me at the same time. And those memories that they're locking in of that session, it's it, you can't distinguish between the real and unreal. Very much so. And so when uh, that's why I like giving them the closure of trauma, especially in longer campaigns, because almost every time I've had players step away from that, they're like, I did not realize that something like this was weighing down on me as an actual person. And I feel that weight relieved. And mm-hmm. I call that a, a victory because games are meant to give you something, a takeaway. They're not just, oh, I had fun. You should learn something and grow from all gaming. And No matter how, if it's combat-centric, war-centric, social-driven exploration, you should take away something that has made you slightly better in your own life, even if you don't realize it. A skill, a trick, a thought, a concept, and then you carry that with you. Do you feel like, because you have that psychology background, that you can zero in on certain aspects of a player's character? Like, you're like, I know why, like... This is showing up in the backstory, and I feel like I know why. And you can, I'm not saying use it like against them, but I mean like, hmm. like use it inherently to tell the story. I actually do quite often. Um, I take the time. The reason I do the, like, it's good to ask the how is your character feeling, but I do it because I take it a step further. I ask these questions and I note what their emotions they're feeling. And I actually note how many times they're feeling angry, sad, bothered, regret. And once I start getting certain words that come up more often, I start to realize that their character is sitting in the feeling. And so then I will give them a scene that hits that. I'll give them a a nightmare. I'll give them a dream. I'll give them a vision that either highlights it, relieves it, or something. So that most times the players don't even realize that they've been harboring on an emotion. And then they feel a source of relief because it's been spoken about. We hide our feelings so much so often as like people and our characters kind of do the same. We're like, oh, no, I'm a paladin. (laughs) And then you find out that the paladin just wants to protect their family. And because they were the the runt of the litter and they just wanted to do more. And then now their character is like, they're torn. They're like, oh, my character is feeling feelings. They're like, no, I'm feeling feelings. And so I like, I'm like, yeah, there you go. We're getting somewhere. And then they really get into their character. And it's so beautiful. I have one player who has been doing D&D for like several years and played in one of my games. And now I, I love him dearly because yeah. he'll message me every day with like multiple paragraphs about his character. He's like, okay, so I was thinking my character would do this, 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 this and would want to do this and feels this. What about his brother? What about his this? And he, he apologized. He's like, I'm sorry. I feel like I'm bothering him. I'm like, no, this is, we've unlocked something yeah. that now makes gaming better for you. And so he carries that in every game now. And I'm like, that's why I know. That's why I do this because people unlock their hearts and their minds and connect them that carries on for the rest of their life. Why, 
Why do you think, like, what is it about our characters that make we want to talk about all the time? Like, that's like a joke, a stereotype, like, <laughs> ask me about my character. And it's true, though. You you opened before we even started recording by saying you're, you are not comfortable always, you know, talking about yourself. You can talk about your work and the things mm-hmm. that you do, uh, you know, and obviously very prolifically. But why... Why do and a lot of people feel that way? They don't want to talk about themselves, but ask me about my character, and I will <laughs> I will talk to you endlessly. So, wh- what is that all about? Um, that is what I believe is um almost like a masking thing and a safeguard. You take a several degrees of separation. Like if there is part of me that is like a little sneaky, and I'm like, cool, I love playing rogues, and this rogue feels this, or this rogue has um like I grew up with a single parent, so like. Almost most of my characters have both parents. And I make the joke that, like, I have no reason to be an adventurer. My family's great. Like, I'll make a rogue with both parents, multiple <laughs> siblings, great life. And he's like, yeah, I'm real edgy. And they're like, why? And meets the family. And they're very like, yeah, we're doing flower crowns. And we're having a great time. And he's like, I live in the shadows. And it's actually, for me, it's an emulation of the fact that I grew up um, in disenfranchised neighborhoods with a single mother and all those struggles. So I talk about it in a different way from my characters so I can then... Um, compensate for the emotions a bit and you start to like either the character is a hyperbole of your feelings or like um, an antithesis almost like oh I have a character that's a single has a single parent but they're a hero or have a character with both parents and they're still feeling a little sad about it and so like they're taking bits of your feelings and you put them somewhere so you get because we want to talk about our feelings but we don't want other people to know we're talking about our feelings oh, so our characters are an extension of that so we yeah. were like if somebody judges us we'd be like oh they just don't like my character it's okay so that you never feel judged personally it's that removal right it's kind of it's some yeah. of the reasons why people players find it more possible to experiment with identities and things like that because there is this layer of it's not really me but it is really me but it that's, is uh-huh. yeah. that's that's and they uh, might not at even the heart realize. of the game yeah exactly yeah, actually that. i have a bunch of players who like have expressed their like gender identity and their characters to see how it feels and then they finish the game and they're like yeah i think i'm gonna go buy this now and i'm like yeah i i saw that as you were trying it out like we have someone in a game who went they're like i'm this, that. And they're like, oh, no, I think I'm more like this. And then by the end, they're like, yeah, I'm this. And then the game ends and they're like, hey, everyone, by the way, this is my pronouns now. And I'm like, love to see it. Because they so were just testing it and feeling it out. Because again, they're talking about their feelings in a way that if someone judges it, they're like, they're not talking about me. They're talking about my character and my character's yeah. gender identity, not mine. And then they're like, they feel comfortable enough with their character. And that confidence then kind of bleeds into themselves. That's so interesting, too, because of what you mentioned earlier about the little stories that we have with everybody we interact with. We all are masking mm-hmm. in every interaction, right? We're showing, we're choosing, maybe not um, consciously, but we're choosing how we're presenting ourselves in every conversation we have with another person. And yeah. this is a way to do that, right, do that in a, in, a, in a more controlled environment with your friends. And it's great to see it from, from, from adults. It's great to see it from kids also as they're realizing that they can experiment with themselves and, and, and be so different. Beautiful. And it's okay to be different and, and, and that permission mm-hmm. to do so. Uh, so a lot of all these concepts we've been talking about, um, I feel like are perfect course examples for this uh, tabletop university, uh, TTRPG university that you and your partner are, are working on. Talk a little bit about that. 
Um, so primarily uh, my girlfriend, Beth the Bard, who has uh, been a professional blogger for quite some time. And um, she actually is a therapeutic dungeon master. So she works with kids, particularly um, kids with neurodivergencies uh, across the spectrum to work with them. And TTRPG University is because both she and I have ADHD, um, but we have two different like um, expressions mm. of it. And so like mine is a lot more... Um, energy driven and logic centric so i have i actually have trouble connecting with my own emotions sometimes so i have to slow down um and she is much more in tune with her emotions and so hers exhibits in those um regressive ways and it's a beautiful combination between us but we realize that like information's hard to gather like the books are hard to read and understanding it and if you don't have a mechanically driven brain it's hard to go through. So TTRBG University was a effort to take all of her teaching on ADHD um, and all these other factors to make a blog that tailored to that. And then on top of that, we had information about how different games work, how to break them down, and giving examples to make people have correlation facts. So right now we're working on get, putting in some courses, which includes um, intro-level uh, dungeon mastering, which is primarily her focus, and then professional dungeon mastering, which then includes me, as well as running actual plays and publishing and writing adventures and so on. So TTRPG University is expanding and growing with more stuff to just educate people about things that are harder to understand about gaming, particularly um, from a female focus, because of my girlfriend, and from like BIPOC focus as a person of color, to help people know that there are options, information, and resources to understand things, if you, especially if you have trouble with comprehension. So that's kind of what we're driving towards. And this year, we're going to be adding a lot more after we finish a few more projects. So this summer is going to load up more stuff into TTRBG University and all of our awesome courses. Now, how do, how do the courses manifest? Are they videos like Khan Academy or are they text only? Um, so <laughs> um, with... Uh, with Beth, she is actually um, a K-commerce um, like maestro. It is beautiful. So the way I can't say for specifically on all the details because I'm not as great as she is at building it, but the way it works is you have visual mediums through the video, um, PowerPoints that help um, hold the information, handouts, worksheets, and um, to my understanding, each course ends with a takeaway. Mm. By the end of the course, you will be able to have something to add to your quote-unquote portfolio. If you're learning how to GM, then you'll get at least one session to practice. If you're learning how to publish or write, then you'll get something that will help you develop. And then voila, you can put it up and we'll help you go through the whole process. So the course isn't just, oh, here's some information. It's no, yeah. here's how you can do it and we'll walk you through the process. So there's the videos, but also um, we have private coaching on top of that. So while you're doing the courses, you can also have um, Zoom calls and we'll have meetings to help you get through your initial process from A to B. And then if you want more, you get the higher courses and we'll just kind of keep offering and working with you to not just succeed and survive, but to achieve and thrive. So Whoa. Good. I know, I, right? That's actually a really good tagline. I know. You said you didn't have a practice, but you did a super it's, good job was, there. All of the cup right now, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> well, good, good thing this is recorded. Because <laughs> you're going to want to write down. that down. <laughs> <laughs> it actually sounds similar to something that Shelly and I talked about like you know, years ago uh, from Wizards of doing a, uh, uh, this type of, of, of content. I feel like you're, you're filling a niche that I think For a lot sure. of... That you know, I, I not just dungeon masters, but players and and people who are new to this hobby um, need right because you get all of that through 
word of mouth or practice mm -hmm. in playing a lot, but some people don't learn that way, right? Some people learn yeah. the way you're describing, and or, or or and you're offering many different ways for for people of neurodivergent uh, things um, to uh, to be able to to like grok this information without having to do it at the table, which can exactly. be embarrassing for some people, right? They're like, oh, I don't want to feel a unprepared. Yeah, of information. You can just kind of jump back whenever you're like, oh, wait, let me review. You have all your links. Like, you got the course. You can always review it. That's the other thing, right? You could yeah. just go back and double check something if you're uncertain. Or you're like me. And you're like, just give me the handouts. I got this. A D&D &D player is very used to checking their reference materials. <laughs> yes. We like libraries. Do you... So when you said you... For like the DM, the How to DM course, you get one session... Like what is is it a session like that you get to practice your new skills in or um so the idea is we compound on um the understanding that uh, Beth offers for at least the intro and then the advanced kind of is you learn the basics on like what it means to be a game master storytelling devices how some mechanics work and the very basics of just understanding game and then you get to take it further on how to do storytelling and so eventually at later levels you'll be able to actually have, um, we'll build you on how to run a session. So you'll learn the adventure module, how to break it down. And then at some point, we have a, our Bard House community where we are like, hey, we have people who are also learning. If you want to practice as a GM, we have players and forever GMs who are more than willing Amazing. to just be like, yeah, here, what do you need? And if you want critiques, though some of them are professional GMs and some of them are not professional, but they're like, hey, I GM for my friends for like 20 years. What do you need? I'll help you out. So it's a fostering community of everyone at different stages of their uh, potential and all willing to work with one another. So by the end of it, you're in a community full of people who are like, hey, we've got artists, we got cartographers, we got writers, editors, mechanical designers, My players, gosh. play testers, and they'll all work with you in whatever aspect to help foster your potential to grow and establish a larger, thriving, inclusive community. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that the two of you are coming from areas that uh, may not have been the stereotypical D&D player from 1972. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, and so I love showing these resources as well as uh, what it's like to be in a marginalized community within the, the TTRPG community. I mean, that means a lot and people get to learn and it makes it just so much more welcoming for everyone, as you said, to, uh, to, to yeah. want to jump in. That's a big deal because like I grew up not even really knowing about TTRPGs and when it was introduced to me, I did grow up in like um, a ghetto-like area. So like we weren't allowed to even have those because they weren't in anywhere around. And it was only tailored for a very specific demographic, which was at the time mostly white men. And then as they tried to expand, maybe the occasional white woman, but people of color just weren't like included in those spaces. And then over time, like I got into it. Um, I think my TTRPG introduction was actually my law professor during college was oh, like, wow. hey, we're gonna have a gamers guild. and I'm gonna introduce you to all these alternative things and me and my friends have been playing ttrpgs we always do the what ifs we watch an anime and we're like oh what if i was a super saiyan and you were a ninja how would we <laughs> fight and we would do that anyway but then he gave us the books and we're like oh we can we can have rules that make that we can reference and so like it was great for me to have that but a lot of people don't have the resources or the wherewithal to know what to do or where to go particularly since even now the community is growing but it's still doesn't include a lot of people of color and that's just because it doesn't broadcast it in a way that reaches out to people like me what are um, so we're working on that 
Yeah. I mean, certainly things have improved, but I, I, there's more work to be done. And and my question here is now, what uh, what advice you would give for people who are uh, want to be more welcoming uh, to to uh, BIPOC as well as as women at the table? Like, what's what's the what's the way to to make that as feel inclusive as possible? So that's always like a hard question because it 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 depends on who you are, what you're doing. But I think. It's always it's less about trying to just be inclusive and more about giving the stage. Mm. There's one thing about saying, "Oh, I see a person of color. Let me invite them over." It's don't just try to invite people who aren't normally in the circle. It's give them the space to thrive. If you have a platform, give them a chance to show it off. Seek for writers, seek for artists, seek them out and don't settle with who's in your circle. Like I always tell people, like, if you look around you and you see people who look like you, you might be making a mistake because you need to expand to people who don't look like you and reach out and open opportunities. And for some people who have a platform, that means putting extra money into it or putting extra effort to say, hey, if you are a white man, don't apply. We don't need that right now in this space. And if you see an opportunity for someone, show them off. Like if you see a writer who is doing really good, but they're not getting broadcast, don't retweet all the other people who you see in the circles. Show them off, the person who doesn't get seen. Because if you retweet nine people, only one of them is a person of color, they still won't get seen. It's really about signal boosting at the end of the day. It's like show them off, but also you have to not, you have to actively not show off people who are already being shown off. And that's a challenge, honestly, for a lot of people because they're creatures of habit and we see the same type of people over and over. So it is a very conscious effort that has to be done. And people are doing better. Um, when we have Black History Month, it's great. But I always tell people Black History Month is not the only month that Black people exist. So kind of like <laughs> keep doing that. Keep reminding yourself that they exist, signal boost, and quiet everything else. Take I tell people take a day to just only retweet People of color, don't retweet anyone else. And then maybe this day, focus on that so they can finally be seen on that day mm -hmm. and things. And it's like a big effort that it takes. But like when it happens, you can see it. Your feed suddenly has it all over Instagram and Twitter. You start seeing more of their stuff for a while. And that's all we need is to be seen as well as heard. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that works on the in the social media sphere. Um, but it also works at the table, right? Like being able to make sure that that spotlight is shared amongst mm -hmm. uh, everyone at the table um and that's that's not always easy to do as a as a dungeon master it's not it definitely does take um challenge and i think that's why i always tell myself if i have multiple sessions and i have a chance to one to two players they get a spotlight for that session and i refuse to change that um if i have five players and i have six sessions each player is getting a dedicated session to focus on mm. and i will let, make sure every other player doesn't overstep that so that person who's maybe soft-spoken has a moment to connect with their character if you only have a one shot you can still do the same like using scenes are really powerful like this scene is for this character and if someone else tries to interject that's when you have to be that tm and be like we'll get to your moment this is their time because that's a skill that really needs to be worked on is like this is for this person so that they can feel acknowledged that way they can feel like they are not just part of the table, that they have worth and value with the team. 
I, I laugh only because I do that with my kids now. I mean, I have two daughters and, and my wife too. Well, sometimes at the end of the day, it's the three of them talking at me. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> nope, it's now this is your turn. And it's like, I do that sharing of spotlight yeah. thing. I have four kids and <laughs> Beth. So like, yeah. And they all like to say words at the exact same time. And I'm like, <laughs> all right, take a number. You, what, you have my dedicated, someone is like, I'm like, no, not you. You're the oldest. Quiet real quick. You? Yeah. Perfect. Next one. <laughs> yes. Perfect. Next one. It's yeah. like, get them in initiative order and then they can break. <laughs> we actually do that sometimes. When it gets oh really God. hectic, we're like, grab your dice, roll initiative. We'll That's get a great out. idea. I'm going to totally do that at the dinner table and be like, all right. Uh, I am yeah. too. Yeah. I do. We even have them roll persuasion sometimes when they're like, can we do this? We're like, roll persuasion. Oh, wow. I'm going to give you a disadvantage because I do not want a dog. (laughs) (laughs) Or you haven't been doing your chores. Disadvantage. It's like you've been doing really good. Okay. You can get advantage because you've been doing this really well and so on. That's why I feel like you're using your psychology to be uh, lawful evil. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. It's not. It's the dice. It's not you. It's not me. I just set up the rules. I just set up the rules and we have to follow. Go ask your mom. It's go go get ask your dice. dice. <laughs> go get your dice. <laughs> that we'll can see. be the definition of lawful evil. I'm just saying. <laughs> it's of what? It's, not me. it's the laws. The it's laws the, are it's the law of RNG. <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, well, you use these skills uh, in, in a professional way, as we said. But I'd love to uh, talk about D and D in a castle that's coming up. Yeah. It's such a fantastic thing. We've loved. We've had the the creators of that as well as tons of people who. Dungeon master for this, so yeah. Are you are you excited? And are you bringing um, the crown? You obviously are um, bringing the crown. I'm bringing the crown. Um, okay. When they when they formally invited me, I was like, "Ha! Huh, finally, the castle is calling the king. It is. I'm fitting. coming home." Ah, uh, yes. I was like, "Make have my throne dusted, please." <laughs> there will be a coronation at this time. <laughs> no, I'm actually super excited about it. Um, I do have to make sure I give credit to Beth for even making the opportunity available because last year Beth was the one that got invited. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, as a woman going traveling overseas, she was like, I can't go without my partner. So they were like, yes, you can bring your partner. And I went with, and I volunteered. But I also have the charisma of a bard with a natural 20 on everything. So nice. I was just doing all the work, talking to all the people, and like mm. just talking to people. And eventually they were like, hey, Beth, we'd like you to come back and Jaden can come too. And I was like, oh, cool. I'll be ready to GM. And they were like, oh, GM, um, give us a minute. And they were like, they went through the process and they're like, all right, you are approved to have a table. I was like, oh, yes. let's do it. I was like, thank you, Beth. And then <laughs> after my table set out, I think it, I got like four out of my six seats sold in like um, less than a couple weeks. And so there's two seats left for those listening. listening. And it's, still, it's me. in July. It's like it's still a July. ways out. So you've got time. So if you want to get a seat at my table, um, I will be actually running my personal homebrew setting of Deep Breath at the Castle, yes. which is my D20 modern approach where it just I, takes D&D and says, put it in an urban environment. I Ooh. was wanted to ask you about this um, because cool. I played D20 modern only one time in my entire life. But I loved it. And I always fondly think about that. I think it's so cool to just have like actual fantasy in with your modern mm-hmm. day world to actually be like who I just am, but magical. That's my dream. <laughs> that is That's my all dream. it is. It is so delightful. Like you the just want some rules for set. flipping tables and throwing drinks I in people's faces. I could levitate the table. Yes. I don't have <laughs> exactly. to flip it, Greg. <laughs> I don't it's have to lift amazing. a finger. <laughs> and 
like I have loved it so much because like when I really started doing it, I'm not a huge fan of classic fantasy because medieval fantasy is typically built in Europe. And mm-hmm. I'm not European. I'm I am black for those that don't know. <laughs> and so like <laughs> I felt a disconnect. I grew up in urban environments. I grew up in the ghetto. I grew up in this. I grew up connecting to stories that included people like me. And I wasn't ever like I never really got to see black people as knights or as paladins and all these things i saw us going down the street um doing music um, playing guitar going to starbucks um and other parts of neighborhoods that weren't so enjoyable but those connected to me so deep breath emulates that and says what if magic was also there what if all those clubs that were shady at night Mm. were because they were owned by vampires and what if those biker gangs that were real tough and hairy were technically werewolves hiding their nature what if those people who loved swimming were also connected to mermaids and what if you were magical in your own right and like in an urban environment and it blends my favorite things about like anime to make it possible while having the influence of like into the spider-verse and all my favorite like hip-hop artists and the vibes they create to channel the truth of our world but magically as you were saying all those things oh. i was imagining all those locations in seattle uh as like oh uh-huh. yeah nope i could totally see that club is totally totally yep. owned by a vampire <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah and it's like we were having so much fun building so many mechanics like classes and subclasses that inspire those um a wizard that works with um mechanics a warlock that uses the internet a sorcerer that literally can change their persona based on what part of the internet they use and mm. snipers I monks the with technology guns. too oh yeah we were the having internet so much fun. and magic exists this is exactly well, it the is internet delightful. is a magical series of tubes so it's <laughs> it actually um, it kind of is in the setting it's basically everything explained by magic like your phone you just class sending or scry if you want to do a video call and it's all those things are all magically <laughs> described so every app is just a magical spell that's built into your device nice kind of okay Skyrim. is it is it um, Jones. like does everybody know magic exists in this world or is it like only a certain people. it is not wild widely known the way it's built is that the world is normal like we know it and inside our world is where magic is and so it's kind of similar like for those that know Vossen or grim series or even bleach where we are living a normal life and magic exists right next to us but you need to be able to have magic in you to see it mm. and so oh, moments when you feel like a sudden earthquake and you're like oh is that an earthquake no it's actually a dragon that just crash landed somewhere but you can't see that and so these things that you don't realize that are happening are explained by magic and even nuclear energy is someone has found a way to condense magic into a form that is normal people can see and now nuclear energy happens and voila mm. oh and i thought so on I, and so forth i thought it was a a, a harnessed um demon that's what nuclear is oh, in my That world. actually is a, there's a harness demon for other things. Uh, welcome to the bad part of the internet. That's where they keep it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's unfortunate. I love that. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's a special circle, you know? That sounds awesome. And uh, anybody who is uh, looking for a wonderful weekend in Lumley Castle uh, in July of 2023, <laughs> Get those last two seats. That sounds super fun, Jaden. I want to do it. It is going to be amazing, especially if you're a fan of anime. Um, This adventure is deeply inspired with elements from like Full Metal Alchemist, a bit of Dragon Ball. Um, There's Blue Exorcist and My Hero Academia are all layered on top of this while blending the nature of, you know, downtown dragons is what we end up calling it for the time being because, you know, (laughs) dungeons, nah, downtown. Downtown. 
Like is this it. is this what you're running on Start Playing or one of the campaigns or is that different? Um, it is my it's actually my primary campaign is okay. Downtown Dragons and then I occasionally run special events for different games. But Downtown, Downtown. Dragons is my um, main focus. Um, I've had one party that ended up going forward in time on accident and they found the city in Oops. ruins. And another party, um, they are currently trying to find the seven deadly sins who are just masquerading as people across the city. That's um, cool. Yeah, they actually just finished dealing with um, the sin of war, or actually the uh, horsemen of war from the um, horsemen apocalypse, who oh. was hiding at a gaming convention for people playing Weave the Traveler, not to be confused with Magic the Gathering. Yeah, he was using that conflict of that and battle tops, which are just spinning tops, and oh, use that mm-hmm. conflict to channel their magic, and the players had to fight as basically planeswalkers fighting against it at a normal convention where they had normal security cameras and all that, but the magic was suffused in the everyday activity. Being able to combine all those Hasbro properties into one. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a special bit of magic there with Beyblade and, and Magic the Gathering. And then some colorful the Let's get some, uh, game some running through. The creepy babies from, uh, uh, what's the name of the, the oh. beef? For real friends. Uh, yeah. yeah get oh, some and there's also... There. Some transformers in there. I use that model for. <laughs> there's got to be robots that trans into vehicles. It's got to. Robots in disguise. This all sounds so exciting. Um, there are a lot of things that people listening can, you know, uh, find out about. You know, the, from the university to your your playing to uh, all of the things. Where what's the best place to to send people to kind of learn more about what you're doing? Um, for all things, you should head over to It's Jaden King on every social media. That's Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, MySpace, AOL. If you have a message from Owl, I've trained them all to find me at It's Jaden King. Mm-hmm. I have also trained Smoke to find me. So you could just go <laughs> It's Jaden King on Smoke Signals and you could reach me there. Um, but in the meantime, um, at least until I think technically based on whenever this happens, um, the Kickstarter for Daughter of Frankenstein is going on until March 23rd. So it will literally be close to, we funded and we're doing stretch goals and it is an amazing adventure inspired by uh, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein where it's a dark opera of intrigue, mystery, and occult happenings. It's the legacy of after Frankenstein and his daughters. Mm. Love it. Love it. Oh, yeah. This this episode will be out that day. So hopefully people can run to it and get it going. Um, and and that's when it would be ending that day. So like, uh, it's Frankenstein5e.com. It is a beautiful Kickstarter. Beth has done all the art graphics for it to make it so enjoyable. And I've been working tirelessly to make this three act adventure that is narratively written as opposed to mechanically driven. So it's more about telling the story rather than making sure the mechanics are so suffused everywhere. So it really lets you take control of this dark opera as you join the twisted tragedy of a darkened legacy. Shout out to Beth. Write that down too. That, that was looks amazing. Mm-mm-mm. Write that one down too. <laughs> That's really good. <laughs> That's really good. It's really good. Awesome. Well, I feel like there's so much more to delve into. I, I mean, you mentioned the the ADHD thing. That's something that's that's top of my mind a lot for for my daughter and I as we're thinking about things. So we'd love to, uh, you know, have you back on talk even more about this because, dang, there is so much to unlock in your brain. Yeah. Oh yeah, we, uh, me and Beth are working on making sure that everything is not just inclusive, but it's comfortable. Like yeah. I said, I think we're tired of making everything about trying to survive, and we want everybody to learn how to thrive. Mm. I love it. Well, that sounds great. We should have you both back to talk about that. Yeah, we're down. Yay! Love awesome. Do Thanks it. so much, Jaden. You're the best. Thank you so much. 
Man, what a wonderful interview. I feel uh, like we all got inspiration from the dungeon master that is the king. I agree. A lovely, wonderful conversation. Yeah, there's yeah. so much there. It's one of those inspiring conversations about people who love D&D and love to play it. <laughs> Volume two. <laughs> Put it on the list. Yeah. Um, certainly check out all the fun things they are doing with their partner. Uh, and, you know, D&D in a castle. It's many people's dreams. Uh, check it out. It's super fun. And uh, Lumley Castle looks beautiful in July. I know. I mean, it looks beautiful kind of any time, but <laughs> July seems like a really nice time to go to the UK. Right. We're selling we're selling those two spots that are left there really hard. Make it happen. If, Greg, if they don't get sold by the time this is out, we're going to buy them us. up. We're just yeah. going to snatch them up. We're going to be like, nope, sorry. Why aren't we going? <laughs> it's true. We should. Let's make it happen. I have to go to UK for a wedding uh, later on this year. So maybe I'll, oh, really? I'll do my own D&D in, in the castle. Yeah. With two D&D players who are getting married. Very exciting. Seriously? Why aren't yeah. they getting married at D&D in a castle? <laughs> I, I think because it's already expensive enough to do a wedding. <laughs> they could do uh, it all in one, in one fell swoop. And they, the, the, uh, one of the, the brides is a uh, dungeon master. So they may oh be gosh. running their own D&D in a castle. How exciting. I know. Neat. Yeah. Love it. Um, so if you want to find out about everything that's going on with Dungeons & Dragons, including the movie, everything that's going on with D&D Direct, uh, you should go to dndbeyond.com. That is our front page for everything Dungeons & Dragons. Make a character, get people in. There's lots of free resources uh, as well as uh, digital versions of all of the D&D books out there. But you knew that already. Uh, and mm. I want uh, it to be a very exciting time for Dungeons & Dragons fans. We're going to get so many people who have uh, been interested and, and are aware of Dungeons & Dragons who really want to start playing it, uh, I think, after seeing that movie, as we said. I agree. Heist it up. Heist it up. You can follow along anything that is happening in the Dungeons Dragons world online uh, at the social handles, wizards underscore DND. And you can find me at Greg Tito on Twitter, uh, Greg underscore Tito on Instagram. I'm also uh, somewhat active on Mastodon and to a lesser extent Hive. So check those out as well. And what about you, Shelly Moo? I am at Shelly Moo on Twitter and Instagram. So uh, go ahead and, you know, if you're there, find me. And if you have any tips and advice for playing D&D with kids, I will always take them because I love it and I don't want to stop. Awesome. I love those kids, Greg. I love those kids. They're so great. <laughs> yeah. Oh, amazing. I actually got myself into two separate fights in our last game. Because what running combat for just a group is not hard enough. <laughs> two of them refused to get on the shipwreck. Oh, they no. stayed in the rowboat and fought a harpy. And then the other two were like, we're going in to look for survivors. And they fought a ghoul. So I was like, oh, you guys are out here doing this. And now you're in here. And it, it was kind of awesome. That's but great. I know. Yeah, then reminds me of the essay in uh, our book um, about real time directing, uh, right? Oh, and being able to go back Kyle and forth. Baldum. Yeah, going back and forth between those two. Yeah, uh, I think Kyle can do it a lot uh, more gracefully because a lot of times, like, wait, who is fighting where? Like, thankfully, they were all sit they were sitting next to each other in their pair, so I could 
But my gosh, one as soon as like the harpy came out, I was like, you hear music. It's so amazing. It's the most beautiful sound you've ever heard. The one guy was like, cover your ears. Like he knew. He knew. No. And I was so friggin' proud of him. That's great. Gave yeah. him advantage on that save. It just goes to show uh, when you're near the ocean, don't trust singing women. <laughs> <laughs> or men, really. Any really? singing, any singing that's going Don't, on near the ocean is going to be a bad idea. Near an ocean, yeah. Ariel, <laughs> talking to you. <laughs> Sebastian the crab. Kiss the girl. Was that his name? It was. That was his name. Okay. Yeah. Um, speaking of uh, singing, but not in an ocean level, uh, the Drunky Two Shoes crew is walking down the street of the Radiant Citadel. You've got, uh, after recruiting um, your tabaxi team. I'm, I'm so excited about it. You've got this. Samson, who's a, a, a human fighter, a harper who is fighting alongside you in Deep. He is there with you. And then you've got Jonathan, a, a healer. Um, you have Altia, a... Tabaxi healer as well, uh, and an old woman uh, who has a sword and is ready to sweep in and fight as much as you can. And then, of course, your skills as both the face and sorcerer. You got quite a team here. I am. I can't believe I have my own adventuring party. It's so cool. Or just we are kind of like the cast of the D and D movie. Just gonna I'm put that out there. Very similar, except all cats. Right. Which is, which is beautiful. Yes, it is. Um, also baby cats. But we'll get to that uh, when we talk about what's in the D&D movie later on. Because we get to see some tabaxi in it, don't oh, we? Oh, my. Yeah. Watch God. it just for that if you want to. Oh, God. That was... Okay. Now you've... Yeah. Take, now you've... Oh, I have to come back to reality because you brought me right back to that moment. And I I do recall <laughs> Different crying, reality. We're in a different crying, shade of... Portray- Crying in the movie theater. <laughs> crying and laughing at oh, yeah. uh, all the fun. Okay. So yeah, you're walking back towards the uh, center um, where you had met with the speakers and Shola. Um, and she had tasked you with finding these uh, uh, tabaxi agents to try to find uh, where your brother was sent and how to, how to find out what's going on with the tabaxi homeland. Um, and as... Uh, you walk there, you see actually some some children who are playing um, nearby. They see your crew uh, walking, and they kind of are in the middle of um, uh, playing a game uh, with a ball. Uh, and but they stop and and watch you go by uh, or, or or get near them, and then some of them kind of get in front of you and be like, "Hey, what are you doing? What's hello? This? Who are these people? What?" I never seen so many uh, of of uh, the cat folk uh, in one place. Yes, we we have found each other. We're on a mission. What's your mission? Mm, cat stuff. Are you gonna chase this ball? And he throws it. We're not dogs. Down the alley. <laughs> 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 he laughs. <laughs> You're funny. Thanks. Gotta go. All right. Say hi to your other cat. People will do. I can't believe that we just saw them. They're so cool. <gasps> oh wait, you think we're cool? Uh, the other one says maybe. Yeah. Uh, I reach into my pocket and I pull out 
some tender vittles. And, <laughs> and I'm like, here, that's for you. And I, I toss some little cat treats over to him. Okay. Uh, he catches it and he says, hmm, smells good. Where'd you get this? Uh, My mom water? said not to trust uh, uh, strangers uh, giving me food after I that, I ate that spoiled um, uh, piece of bread the other day and and uh, uh, <laughs> I had a I had a wad up some okay. some muslin <laughs> and the kid just starts oversharing okay. <laughs> so much yeah um, that's between you and your litter box so make um, me a. Uh, uh, Constitution oh check. <laughs> God damn you, Craig. You can't do this to me. 12? 12. All right. You feel a little bit, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, you don't feel so good about what he's saying. Okay. I. You know what? Good advice from your mom. So uh, I'll, I'll toss him a little ball of yarn instead. Here, play with this. <laughs> he says, I'm not a cat. Well, I got to go. All right. Something to remember us by. I'll remember. And uh, he waves and the other little kids kind of, you know, he's like the leader. They're all kind of waving along with you and uh, saying, bye. Have fun storming the castle. Uh, the castle. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, sounds mm-hmm. like a, a joke my dad would make. Oh, uh, yeah. Your dad sounds cool. <laughs> wow, you he's guys. Single. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be at Drunken Two Shoes later. <laughs> We're cool, you guys. We're cool. Oh, that is that's nice. Uh, I don't always get that reaction, says Samson. Yeah, wait, he's not a tabaxi, right? He's not. He is human. Right. Okay, uh, so awesome. on to the crystal or something, All right? Yes, right? exactly. We'll pick it up next time with you guys going to talk to Shona. Good times. Yay. Thank you. That was nice. Right.